This episode is brought to you by Progressive, America's number one motorcycle insurer. Everything is more exhilarating when you're on your motorcycle. Just like your bike is more protected when you choose Progressive Motorcycle Insurance. They offer coverage for your bike, starting as low as $75 per year. And they keep things affordable with discounts like paid in full, multi-policy, and responsible driver. So raise your kickstands and get to quoting at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. $75 premium is for state minimum coverage. Not available in D.C. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Hi, I'm going to whisper some things to you now about Crunch Chocolate Bars. Because apparently this whispering thing is a thing that makes you feel things. It's saying something crunchy is coming in the candy wrapper language. Mm. Imagine your tongue hiking up those crispy, rocky ridges. Now, drum roll, please. Wow, that's good. Crunchy, munchy chocolate doesn't whisper. Turn up the fun with Crunch. Hey. Hey. What'd you think? About what? Did, did you get my text? Oh. Welcome to another episode of Did You Get My Text? I'm Meredith Salinger. I'm Patton Oswalt. We talk about the things we've texted each other throughout the week. Um, but this week, we were together. We were the really together. The entire to- we time. We were super together. We were so together that... We were human centipede together. We were. We were so together that it's like I'm dying to be apart. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really? So uh, you all know that Patton uh, broke his ankle and his foot in three places, and he had to cancel his tour dates because of it. Well, this past weekend, he had his tour in Phoenix, Arizona, and in Tucson. So uh, he'd been doing okay up until he was like, I can't do this without you. Well, quick addendum. I don't want the other people uh, who I canceled on thinking that, oh, why does Phoenix and Tucson get special treatment? They didn't get special treatment. They are a very uh, easy, brief plane ride, whereas every other place I had booked uh, included transfers. transfers. And uh, it was just, it was such a nightmare that I said, I got to can't, but I think Phoenix and Tucson I can pull off. You thought you could. I thought I could. But in fact, you were struggling all week. You really could, having some problems. Yeah. So I was telling my mom, hey, Patton's leaving tomorrow. He's trying to pack. I don't know if he can do it. She's like, well, why aren't you going with him? And I was like, because I don't want to go with him. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, anyway, long story short, we discussed it. And you were like, I need you. Yeah. And so- I did actually, I didn't even have the bravery to say that. You simply said, you know what? I'm coming with you. And I said, thank you. Because I didn't want to be the one to ask. It's that dumb macho, uh, uh, fragile male ego crap. So that's why when you asserted yourself and said, I'm going, I said, good. So I canceled all the stuff I had to do. I had to help get a million people to cover for me on all the things I had to do. And I became your Sherpa for the weekend, which meant carrying. So you had your scooter for your knee. You had crutches Mm -hmm. in case, you know, there were stairs because you can't take the scooter up the stairs. You had uh, your own little bag that you had to have for travel. That's right. Then I had my bag. and I uh, packed minimally. I too packed minimally. And yet, me sherpaing, sherpaing all your stuff. 
Schlepping. Schlep- Let's say schlepping. Yeah. You're Jewish. You were schlepping. I was schlepping. Let's not do cultural appropriation. <laughs> anyway, the bottom line is on the way to the airport, mm-hmm. you were like, thank you so much for coming with me. Yeah. And I was like, of course, honey, this is what you do. And then I was like trying to make you feel better. And I was thinking, you know what? Maybe we'll have fodder for the podcast. <laughs> and you said, well, let's hope not because usually – Podcast fodder is stuff that goes wrong. Oh, yeah. It's when something – when a disaster When something happens. goes wrong. And I was like, okay, well, maybe something interesting will happen and not a disaster. Right. And then on the way home – Well, like a badly written movie on that Sunday morning, that's when you said, well, I guess you were right. We didn't really get any fodder. And I go, yeah, you know, uh, when things go wrong, you get podcast up, but I guess we didn't get any stories. Yes. Like, literally like the first act of every bad slasher movie. This will be the best camping trip ever. So I guess our listeners can pretty much tell what's about to happen. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Patton has this scooter thing. It's a scooter thing, and he puts his little knee, his little broken leg cast thing on the scooter, and he mm-hmm. wheels it, and it's and it's all put together. Yeah, it's not a it's not a folding scooter. It's right. a scooter that is assembled with nuts and bolts and screws and metal and this and that, and it's very sturdy. Yes, just like a you know like a wheelchair is very sturdy. We looked at some folding ones, and they seemed very precarious. Anyhow, this one is not – this is a non-folding scooter. Yes. It's a, as is, keep this, don't Done. mess with it. And so on the flight to Phoenix, we took it up to the ramp. You got on the plane, and then they took it down the ramp and put it under the plane to me, just like they do with kids' baby uh, in a In a strollers. tiny – by the way, we were in a tiny little plane, and they didn't disassemble it. Correct. Put it under the plane. Great. So all was fine on our trip. Until we landed at LAX. Oh, boy. So somehow in Tucson, they had put a scooter under the plane after it helped him up the ramp. But I told them this is a non-folding scooter. And all our other flights were fine. But when we landed and they brought the scooter up to him, it was disassembled. Well, you said this is a non-folding scooter. And they said in their heads, challenge accepted. <laughs> and boy, Appar- did they find a way to fold this thing. Yeah, apparently. Well, they didn't fold it. They used a wrench and they undid all the screws. And you couldn't get off the plane. We had to call a wheelchair to come get you. Yep. And I had to take this broken scooter down the ramp. And then I was like, um, could you guys get maintenance to come fix this? And... We had to wait for maintenance to come, but they kept saying the whole time, like, listen, you know, we're not liable for any of this. And Well, they they we got to the finally got to the bottom in my wheelchair, and then you're asking, can you send a ma-? and we're being very, very chill about this at first. We said, Can you send a maintenance guy with to- a I would imagine a toolkit that would have a wrench in it and they can fix this. The, after a twenty minute wait, and they clearly gone and huddled about this. The woman came back with one wrench. Yeah, the woman. Uh, I can give you this one wrench. I think this will work. And then made a big show of handing it to you. Right. I'm so, not touching this wrench. So just to be adorable and charming, I was like, hey, Patton. Uh, she wouldn't help, by the way. Uh, no. I had to do it. So I'm trying to un unscrew the thing that they did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, hey, babe, get, you know, thinking it's going to be some easy. some pictures of you doing that, yeah. And I was like, get some pictures of me doing it. And then finally, five guys come up. They each have tool belts. And I was like, can one of you guys help me? And they kept saying, we're not liable. We're not liable. I'm like, so then I would. I kept trying to do the wrench thing, and I couldn't do it. Like, whoever put disassembled the whole thing in Tucson, it was impossible to put together. And the wrench they gave yeah. me didn't really fit. No. And so I was like. You needed a socket wrench, and they didn't They didn't give you one. No. They gave you, they gave you like, basic wrench, which doesn't work in this situation. So I'm on the ground with this dirty wrench on the dirty floor, 
<laughs> trying to put this thing together. And and I said, please, guys, can one of you just please Sur- help me? Surrounded by men in tool belts, by the way. Yeah. And they kept saying, oh, sorry, you know, we're not liable. And I was like, fine, you're not fucking liable. Can you just can you just help me? One of the people at the airport did this. Can one of you please? I'm sitting there with all these tools. I don't know what I'm mm-hmm. supposed to do. And they kept doing that weird thing that like Vegas dealers do, where they kept putting their hands up, yeah, like, as if they're and, showing like, and like not liable, like shaking like, their hands like jazz hands, like not liable, not but liable. But like doing that, like I'm not. See, I'm not. Everyone sees I'm not touching this, right? Right. And at one it's point, really weird. And, and then at one point, you, I was like. Babe, get pictures of this whole scenario. And then the lady, I was like, can you please help me? They're like, if you delete the pictures you just took, we'll, well help. Well, you asking me to take pictures is what got everyone on edge. Not They they thought, oh, they're, they're getting ready for some kind of lawsuit. And by the way, there are a lot of insane uh, litigious Karens in this world. God knows what they, they didn't know. I'm sure they've dealt with some pretty horrible people. We are just basically asking, could one of you four guys – Reach into one of your four tool belts and get, and get out the tool that will fix this. Right. So anyway, we had to delete all the pictures. So we deleted the pictures, and I was like, "Fine, you're not liable. You're not liable. Can you just can you just help me? You're not liable. <laughs> don't worry. If you break it, it's whatever. I don't care." So finally, they helped a little bit, but basically, I put the thing back together. Yeah. And that took an hour. Yep. But now, I'm furious. I this is this is like taking an hour, but this is after we were on a plane. <laughs> And the blonde lady sitting behind me was asked by the flight attendant six times to put her mask on. Right. And then when the flight attendant left, she took her mask off and she whispered to her boyfriend, she's a fucking Nazi. Like that. And so I'm listening to this woman behind me breathing. Yeah. Behind me with no mask Mm -hmm. complaining. So, you know, we got off the plane. And and by the way, um, a 40-minute flight. 40 minutes. Yeah, she couldn't keep her mask on for 40 minutes. She's like, what if I have to drink? Anyway, <laughs> the whole mask thing, I cannot stand when people bring up the drink and food thing as if that is a gotcha. Yeah. That that has already been we've been at this for 2 years. Everyone knows, yes, obviously if you want to drink just pull it down for a second, take your sip and, and put, put your it mask back, back on. But they act like, "Hang on. Here's the loophole. I've got an ace up my sleeve that no one has yet thought of. What if I have to d- pull it down for like I And they pull oh! it down for the whole. Anyhow, so from this flight uh, you then have to once you get off, you then have to take a bus to the terminal, right? To to get out, um, and so interestingly, no, even after how long it took us to yeah, to, that was weird to fix the uh, scooter. We finally go to the area where you wait for the bus, and it turns out everybody on our flight is still waiting for that bus, which is which weird because it took strange. us so long. Yeah. So we get off the plane. God, I hope they didn't hold that bus up for us. <laughs> they oh, didn't. Then that whole bus would hate us. No, they clearly didn't. All right. Um, so we get off the plane, and we have to get on the bus to go back to the terminal. We wait in line. We get on the bus, and guess who sits right across from me? But that blonde biatch mm-hmm. with her mask off. And the bus driver had to tell her, could you please put your mask back on? And she gives him the eye roll. Mm-hmm. So she puts it back on, but it's under her nose the of whole course. time. Yeah. And I'm just sitting there, like, giving her the stink eye. Mm-hmm. That's all I can do. Because I don't want to start a thing. I'd be, I want to, I so bad, it's so hard for me to hold my tongue. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to lean over and be like, listen, lady. Yeah. Who are you? Why do you think you're, anyway. I was going to do a whole thing, but I would never. Because mm-hmm. then it would just escalate it, and that's bad. But, you know, I figure, give that old stink eye. That'll do the trick. Right, right. So I'm giving her the stink eye. Finally, we finally get to the terminal, mm-hmm. and everybody gets up to get their stuff, and guess what? 
What? She's pregnant. Yeah, she stands up. She stands up. And she's preggers. And she's super pregnant. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. You don't care about getting COVID for your, anyway, whatever. I didn't like her. Another weird little side note uh, that I only noted to myself because he kind of muttered it. But her boyfriend, husband, I don't know what their relationship is. He is like, he was a little stocky blonde dude in a blue tank top and shorts. Kind of looked like uh, an ex-fitness instructor, kind of gone to seat a little bit. And she looked like sort of a West Coast hippie. She looked like a real goop. She looked like like a goop chick, basically. No, she didn't look goop. She looked straight. She looked goop to me. No, she looked like a pundit on Fox, a weather girl on Fox. She looked like a straight up Instagram tick, like girl who wants to be pretty. I feel like she's got one part of the Venn diagram of her is goop is because it's all about, but I believe in that. Like, again, it's that whole, I don't know. A lot of the anti-vax, anti-masker stuff falls into the goop. She just looked like a Fox news correspondent that they hire because she's pretty blonde. With a little brush of goop on her. Nah. I'm sorry. It just there was there was. I would not be surprised, especially because of all the flowing. She had like she didn't have flowing. Yeah, she did. She, she no, had like flowing she, beachwear kind of stuff. No, she didn't. She had a tight. Are we going to mm. argue about this? No. She was she, wearing a tight top that you could see her baby bump. You couldn't have seen her. But baby then, bump. but then over that was this kind of flowy, anyway, dressy kind of thing. Anyway, at one point, someone else on the bus was mentioning something. Oh, this kid sitting next to us starts showing us his things that he crafts out of old railroad spikes. Um, he makes bottle openers, and he goes, "And I make knives, but of course I can't bring." And he really went into all the crap he was a stuff engine- that he did. He started talking to me. He's like a, a nineteen-year-old engineering student, something, yeah. And um, he he was showing me all his stuff, and I was like, "Oh, that it was very nice to have a chat yeah. with um, a random person right. on the bus." So he's talking about his stuff, but then he mentioned that he's from Maryland and he gets all this stuff. And then the guy, the the, um, the bitchy boyfriend lady's of the boyfriend bitch. was like. Maryland, I'm from Burkittsville. And all I could think was, that's where they filmed the Blair Witch Project. And I don't know why I put that little note in my head, but he is from where they made the Blair Witch Project. And maybe he's going out with the Blair Witch and she's trying to spread (laughs) evil throughout the world. Well, whatever it was, we finally got into the car and you looked at me and you said, you wanted to have fodder for the podcast. (laughs) But it really was such an ordeal. It was so upsetting. Yeah. Uh, and and by the way, this was my you know when I started traveling again after uh, the pandemic, after the shutdown, I was very worried that am I gonna because you see again all these videos of people being assholes on planes and what would I do, what would I say, um, and you realize oh there's not that many assholes, there's just way more cameras. But we did encounter one of those. Indeed, we encountered one of those assholes. Um, well, I have to be honest with you, when they were sitting behind us, you know how mm-hmm. there's like a little space between your seat and my seat. Mm-hmm. All airplanes have that little space. Sure. So, like, I would lean over to try to, like, kiss you, but I wasn't really trying to kiss you. I was just trying to <laughs> eavesdrop on them behind us, like, so my ear could be be- between them. So those kisses were lies? <laughs> what? But every <laughs> my whole now- marriage is a sham. <laughs> but every now and then, I because w- I could only see the guy. Like, the girl was right behind me. So yeah. I, so I uh, kept leaning over toward you, but giving the stink eye to the guy also. But so that, wasn't, didn't a couple times, didn't he like mutter at her and go, Tony, just put your mask Yes, on. because I gave him the stink eye. And then mm-hmm. he had to look at her like, like he was trying to be good, even mm-hmm. though he was a jerk too. He was like being rude to the mm-hmm. uh, flight attendant as well at the beginning. But then once I started stink eyeing him. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. A couple of my friends have been traveling and they said that like up in the air, it's, um, it's gotten very feral. Um, a friend of mine took a JetBlue flight to New York and said a family got on with their masks. And then it was a mom, a dad, and kids, and they made this big show 
of taking their masks off. Oh. And then, like, looking around, like, I wish somebody would. And then, of course. Somebody uh, did. They said, <laughs> you need to put your mask back on. Like, this isn't. I wore it all through the airport, screaming and yelling. And then they had to be thrown off the flight before it could take off. Yeah. Well, what's interesting was after the flight, the flight attendant lady, um, did call somebody to say, mm. hey, this person was asked six times, and then she took it off, and then she called me a Nazi. And um, so, you know, these people. Right. Well, she was also at the end of her rope. She said that I have. She deals I'm with it every so day. at the, uh, on my last nerve with this, so she called like a supervisor. Anyhow, that was our fodder for the podcast on our trip. But uh, we will be right back with more fun things, not annoying things, right after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, America's number one motorcycle insurer. Everything is more exhilarating when you're on your motorcycle. Just like your bike is more protected when you choose Progressive Motorcycle Insurance. They offer coverage for your bike, starting as low as $75 per year. And they keep things affordable with discounts like paid in full, multi-policy, and responsible driver. So raise your kickstands and get to quoting at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. $75 premium is for state minimum coverage. Not available in D.C. Discounts not available in all states or situations. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. At IKEA, your dream home is a blue bag away. No matter the size of your space or budget, we've got everything you need to turn your dreams into reality. And now with new lower prices on hundreds of our most popular products, bringing the dream home is even easier. Like the gray strandum wing chair, was $369, now $299. And the IKEA Plus 365 nine-piece cookware set was $129.99, now $89.99. And hundreds more. Shop new lower prices at ikea-usa.com today. We're back. back. Jinx. Um, I hope that things are. Uh, I hope that things are so much better uh, when you're. Whenever you're listening to this, I'm. Pro- I'm assuming a couple of weeks from when we're recording it. As we're recording it now, it is March first, and the world is grim. We are having a really fun '80s flashback to uh, having a nuclear threat hanging over our heads. A friend of ours tweeted. Hey, it really feels like the 80s again. Let's get some Mr. Pibb and go see the 515 showing of Crawl at the multiplex. So, um, yeah, it does really feel like we're in this bad um, 80s scenario. And uh, and, and I don't want to – again, there's a lot of uh, um, stuff about the situation in Ukraine that I don't want to comment on, A, because half of it is probably misinformation that's going to be debunked. The whole Snake Island story turned out to actually not be – uh, as true as it seemed, the TikTok videos of uh, Ukrainian girls restarting tanks was actually an earlier thing. A lot of things are being repurposed, so uh, be careful what you retweet. However, one thing uh, that was not repurposed and uh, was was just mwah, um, was a moment on CNN when they were showing the uh, air raid sirens going off uh, over um, the capital city of Ukraine. And then, of course, they cut to an Applebee's ad uh, where they're singing about um, chicken fried and, and people are dancing. Like, literally, they went from 
air raid sirens over this gray city and everyone is miserable to an ad about fun fried chicken and a guy like shaking his booty and and I'm sure and the Applebee's people had to issue an apology saying we did not think that the network would show that ad. But again, I'm not defending CNN, but it's a breaking story, and sometimes you have to scramble, and maybe they just didn't, we have no nothing else to throw to, oh my God, we're screwed. Well, I think when you have a commercial on a network, they have bought their times and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and um, it's not really up to the person what uh, commercial they show post whatever segment. So the commercials are set, right? And so didn't... didn't but is, is it though like like... I just feel like there's a producer sitting there saying, "Okay, we gotta we gotta uh, roll out of this and do." Oh no, we gotta go from this to an Applebee's commercial. Well, th- <laughs> you sent me a text today. Well, this was something we talked about on two episodes ago. There was a speak pipe uh, that talked about somebody was here listening to our show, and the show was called Hobbits on Meth, and one of the ads was about getting off a of drug. So it was a weird thing. Now, a, there's a notorious. Um, Example of this, uh, I sent you a video of it, but we talked about it a couple weeks ago uh, in a very shortened form. But when the reboot of Battlestar Galactica was on sci-fi, season four, episode 11, called Sometimes a Great Notion, there is a now notorious ad break where one of the main characters is in such despair, she blows her brains out. She takes a gun to her temple to her and temple, blows her brains blows out. Brain. And, then, and then you see the splatter on the well, wall next to her. She f- that Actually, I misremembered that. Then uh, Mandela effect. She blows her brains out, falls to the floor. People are screaming and gathering around. Get a medic, get a medic. And the last shot where they go to commercial is her hand on the ground. And then you see the blood begin to pool around because it's flowing out of her skull, basically. But a pool of blood is forming around her hand. And then they cut to a commercial for premium crackers. And the premium crackers uh, in the commercial are being thrown at into different soups. soups, tomato soup, and they're splashing and splattering everywhere. And the song that they're playing is, I just want to celebrate another day of living. <laughs> so, and, and that felt like, unlike CNN, they knew, they had the show Way before they knew they but were it's, gonna, it's the the people who make the show don't decide the commercials. I'm not, no, no, no. But the, I'm saying the network had it. The network had this episode, and you would think they would look at the end of each ad break and go, "Let's not have the splattering red soup after the literally the shot of a woman's dead hand while blood pulls around," and have a band singing, "I want to celebrate another day of living." I think the person. That was amazing. I think the network or whoever decides the commercials is like, okay, here's a 15 minute segment. Here's mm-hmm. our commercial. Here's a 15 second. They don't watch the show. They just know where their segments are and how long things will fit in them. So it just was coincidental, yeah. but it was very crazy. But boy, did that! I mean, it was crazy. Yeah, I think we need to post that. Um, little section on our Instagram so people can see how insane it, it goes from her holding the gun to her head, pulling it, and it's splattering to then soup being splattered everywhere. Is really, oh, my God. Um, that was crazy. And, and at one point at the end, there's a line of big soup pots on the stove and just red soup is splattering out of it. Like It looks like gunshot. It looks like exit wounds in a soup commercial. But it, by the way, it wasn't a commercial for soup. It was a commercial for the crackers. It's the crackers slamming into the soup like little square um, 
flour bullets hitting the soup and splattering everywhere. And now, it's just amazing. A, for a matter of physics, yeah, it's like they're like saltines, right? They're freaking saltines, and they're they're light yeah. and they're fluffy and they're yeah. soft. There's no way. I'm just saying physically. Oh to no! To throw a saltine into a bowl no. of soup and have it splash like Splash Mountain, a kid jumping in a pool. No, yeah, it looks like it looks like the Zapruder film, and <laughs> and and it also looks like the crackers are going fuck you soup. Out of the way. Like, I'm taking over this bowl. That's how aggressive uh, these crackers are. Uh, aggressive so, crackers. Aggressive crackers. So, again, um, there's going to be a lot of, uh, and I know this is a very misused word, um, there's going to be a lot of cringe these next few weeks uh, in a lot of these this coverage. Although, I'm saying these next few weeks because I'm trying to jinx it the other way so that this thing actually resolves itself quickly because it is it is beyond horrifying what is going on, uh, and it is also, it's also just, here's what's weird, too. What's weird, Patton? I don't, like, I've I've made all kinds of fuck-ups and said something stupid, and then I just own it and go, oh, my God, that was dumb. I didn't know any better. Someone just gave me a talking to. I got it straight now. Fine, we'll move on. But there, I don't know if you've been watching, uh, people have been putting together videos of Tucker Carlson, who these last few days has been openly cheering on the Russians, and not in a subtle way. Like, basically, there's no reason to hate Putin. He hasn't done it, you know, and and, and, and trying to say that... <laughs> he hasn't done anything except poison his opponents and, and jail and his opponents and, and kill people. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and, 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 uh, so any, and, but then, t- yesterday, and basically the whole GOP is doing this, he is now saying, I've never once supported uh, Putin or said anything positive about... Like... The, I, I'm all, I'm totally cool with people Admitting screwing up mistake. and then saying, "Oh, you know what? That was that was wrong. I screwed up." Right, but to but deny it, not even to deny it, to go, "You, that's not. I don't know what you're talking about." That's that called gaslighting. Yeah, but but we're not. I look. I understand if you someone digs up something from 30 years ago, or you know, and you either try to deny it or you you own it and go, "Oh, I mean, I screwed up." But this is like from this a week is like ago. The, the, it's not even a week ago. It's the, a day before. Right. He's just saying, N- forget all that. It never happened, and here's where we are now. And then he's acting as if, and I'm the only one brave enough to speak out against Putin. Everyone <gasps> else is like, oh, it's God. in. But he is counting on the fact that, and, and I'm guilty of this. We're all guilty of this. I reach for my phone to check Twitter, to check text, the way that people reach for a cigarette. You know, it's now a habit. It's serotonin, and I want that. And he's hoping for that because we keep filling our minds with so much news sensation that all that goes away. And he knows that. He's banking on that. And well, in a weird way, he's right. Well, for the people who listen to Fox News, the, those people really just take whatever those people say at seed value. And Is that the word? Seed value? That's not – what's the word? Face value. Thank you. Jesus Christ. Wow. Who am I? Seed value. What was the thing with the sunflower seeds? Well, that's a great insult uh, from the um, from the Ukraine, where they say because the the national flower of Ukraine is the sunflower, so they say put sunflower seeds in your pockets so that at least when you die, oh. they will grow. And that oh. like that's it, it's it's not a aw, oh, it's a whoa. That's you would not put that on a Hallmark card. Like hey, put some sunflower seeds in your pockets because this is the last birthday you'll ever have. Like that's not the kind of thing. That yeah, you but said. you know what? It makes you think like. You know, if you want to get buried in a coffin, fill it up with some fertilizer and put some seeds in there. I know you need some light source, but uh, you never well, know. Is there a thing where they bury you in like a a pod and you become a tree? And you become a tree. Yeah, or Why you not? can become a diamond if they crush you. 
Uh, isn't that can they do? I thought there was like Superman could do that. He could crush coal into diamonds. Yeah, and can Superman, they do they have the man-made technology that can crush yes, you into a diamond? They absolutely do. Oh, so you're gonna be a nice fat rock what? on my <laughs> ring one day. What if you had? What if every husband you had, you crushed them into diamonds and go, "This is number three. This is number four. He left me a bundle." Gosh, I wonder how many husbands I'm gonna have. <laughs> you're my number one, babe. So. Oh, my God. I'll be a distant memory. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, depending on how big the diamond turns out to be. And then this is the other thing that keeps <laughs> that keeps eating at me. Um, I Yes, I love uh, this guy, Zelensky. He is amazing. Um, he, he is an ex-stand-up comedian. He won Ukraine's Dancing with the Stars. Uh, that footage is gorgeous. He does the voice of Paddington he's in the, the Ukrainian of version of the movie. It's And he's, be- and he's got a beautiful voice. And... Uh, He's lovely, and he said something that was so divine, which was when he was elected president, he said um, something along the lines of, please don't put my picture up. Don't, don't wash, put pictures of your family up. See what gives you a reason to, to, to make you do the things you do. Don't worship See, yeah. me. Uh, you know, look, put pictures of your family up and let that be what guides you in this world to do the things you do. Yes, and all of that is great. The only thing I'm worried about is God, I mean, just just remember a year ago we were all worshiping um, Andrew Cuomo. He was our guy. He was the anti-Trump. And then we find out all this. I don't want to find out anything horrible about Zelensky. I don't want him to suddenly – because I have been filling my timeline with how much I love this guy and his philosophy. And who knows – you know, he, well, he's speaking Ukrainian. God knows what else he's. I mean, I'm I'm reasonably sure he's going to be okay, but it just seems that a lot of people that we suddenly get behind and and rally around, and then they end up being horrible, and you got to go. Ugh. Well, it doesn't seem like Ugh. he will be. He seems lovely. He has. His, I hope so. He cares about the good things, and he's standing up for his people, and he's not a coward, and he's staying, and he's fighting, and he's setting an example, and he's inspiring the people of his country. And what he's putting out in the world is a good thing. So if there's something weird in his past, which there probably isn't, because not everybody's horrible, <laughs> um, but he seems lovely, and let's just allow it to be that without. I, that's without... What, look, I'm embracing it, but I'm but there is no, no, especially no, 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 but okay, yeah, everything's great. I agree. <laughs> what a compelling podcast this is. <laughs> they bring up a subject, they both say it's great, and they agree with each other. No, I, I'm we, just... We re- you don't have to worry about that, honey. We rarely agree with each other. Well, then let me disagree on this then. Okay, go in ahead. In that I, I just feel like we've we've had so many rugs pulled out from under us that there's now yes. a instinct for, for anything that you start to like to then go, oh, please don't milkshake duck this thing. Please, please, please right, that's don't, why, you know... Right, that's why Jews go, toy, toy, toy. Toy, toy, toy. So, yeah, God, I hope so. Yeah, so, you know, like, that. that is where I'm with Zelensky... Please don't be a weird creeper. <laughs> He's not. Don't even okay. put it out there. I'm not put. I'm putting it out there to jinx it the other way. Well, just that's don't, why I'm saying. Don't it. even put that thought into the universe. Oh God! Why can't I be the positive shining light in your life? Where you go? You can, but the positive shining light was always. I will always push back against it out of my own insecurities and and fears. Ugh. It's just always going to be there. Yep. We'll be right back. <laughs> Mm. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You know you need protein to fuel results, but it's not easy when you're drinking the same bland chalky shake every day. Stop punishing yourself and get to GNC for the best protein in the game, including all the hottest brands and crave-worthy flavors that'll keep you coming back for more. We're talking protein that legit tastes like cookies, your favorite cereals, indulgent desserts, and more. So bust out of your protein rut and actually look forward to those shakes with unbeatable protein at unbeatable prices. Fuel your fitness with protein at GNC. Uh, so, uh, we were discussing the whole situation in the Ukraine and some of the bad takes that we've seen already. We, t- you know, there's, there's been, of course, the, the, uh, poem to, uh, Putin. Oh, which my was, dear Lord. And look, she had the best intentions, but that's this year's Imagine. Right. So, I agree. So, Annalyn McCord is this pretty blonde actress. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what she I does. think we already talked about this. But Did yeah. we? No, yeah. we didn't. I think we talked about it. It just last happened. Week. No, it talked it happened two weeks ago. Did we talk about this, Kyle? We did. Uh, I don't remember. Okay. Well, Maybe anyway. we did. The reason I'm just bringing it up is because um, it's not just uh, actors uh, who can have bad takes on things. Two people. No, that- we didn't talk about it last week. Last week we talked about <laughs> the other cheesy song that was like the Imagine. We didn't talk about the Anna I think McCord. We mentioned her. No, nope, we didn't because it happened this week. All right. Well, then let's talk about her. Well, then. just very briefly, this very pretty girl. I think she's an actress. Um, was trying very hard to uh, do like a spoken word poem um, about Putin, and she says, "I wish I had been your mother, so you didn't turn out." Bad. Right. If I had been there to hold you, I would have given my life for you. It's this whole very dramatic, very long poem. Mm-hmm. And her intention, I think, was to just say, can't we all just be raised by good people so we don't turn out shitty? Yeah. But, she, but the, but the um, two-minute uh, poem that she speaks to camera, which she's getting a lot of flack for, I kept – it got cut off. So my personal hope was she's like, Putin, if I had been your mother and nursed you with my breast – I don't know what she said. But anyway, I was hoping that when it cut off that she then said, I wish I was your mother so you didn't turn into the fucking piece of shit that you turned out to be and you're destroying your country. I wish that she was like sweet and amazing and all these good things and then turned into like what we all wanted her to be and what I thought was like – it would have been so great if like Samuel Jackson was like – if I was your father, motherfucker, I'd have smacked you on the ass and put you in your room and locked you up. If I were her PR people, I would reach out to Sam Jackson and go, can we do a second part of the poem with her and Sam Jackson? Together. And do it, do the anger translation for it. Where he's just exactly. Like, Fuck you, man. like Key and Peele doing I mean, Obama. Yeah. I mean, it was, again, it was so awkward and so nerve scraping. But everyone's- And it takes, you a, it takes you a while to realize she's actually rhyming it. Which actually is pretty amazing that she – you don't realize that it's a rhyming poem until you're halfway into it. Right. Everybody's giving her a lot of shit. I kind of understand her intention. It was so poorly – Yes. It was so it was poorly thought out. clumsily delivered intention and that happens. Well, sh- her intention was to be like, oh, God, Putin. Yeah. If I could have just raised you. And weirdly enough, she was uh, on the money ab- about one thing, which is a lot of the uh, – this really horrible – 
anti-trans and anti-gay stuff that's happening in Texas right now, Governor Abbott, where they're targeting um, – what, what did he call it? Either understanding parents or – in other words, parents that are being supportive uh-huh. of their kids. That's who they're targeting because they are so used Jesus. to being raised without supportive parents that are constantly – the love is conditional. Everything you do is conditional on you doing these few things. And they're so not used to it that, that they're almost like abused shelter animals that the first time you actually show them some affection, they recoil from it. And so that's why they're trying to – because that's all they know. In their minds, in their fucked up horrible minds, the the merciful and good way to raise a kid is to be super judgmental and always threatening to oh withdraw your love Lord. to make to make them into quote unquote better people. Oh, yeah. They think a parent that's like, I don't care what you do. I just want you to just be happy. Be yourself. Don't as long as you don't hurt or kill anyone, yeah. it doesn't matter. Do whatever you want. Right. I don't care. You're you're, you're my son, you're my daughter, or whatever person. you decide to be. I, right. I'm with you. And that is this thing that's the, the new wave that seems to be coming up are um it's not so – people that are that are asking for their rights are actually in a weird way being less militant about it and more we're, – look, we're just going to do what we want to do and just you can go do what you want. I don't care. Like we don't – we're not going to follow you, which is so much more terrifying to people like Governor Abbott who they, – they want people screaming at them so they can go see these people are crazy. We have to keep them down. Mm. But that's why they – I think they targeted these supportive parents like, wait a minute. I, I want parents that, you know, are – beating the crap out of their kids, not parents that are like, I don't I don't care about your stupid laws. I'm going to be nice to my son or daughter. I love you. and su- You mean yeah. supportive and loving and helpful parents? Exactly, yeah. yeah. But that is terrifying. Because they probably didn't have them. And it was also really interesting. Which was um, what Anna Lynn McCord, I guess, was saying. <laughs> I Yeah. That, that's why that, it, weirdly, it was timely that she did it when she did it. And she didn't, I'm sure she didn't know that Governor Abbott would be releasing one of the most horrific bills Ever, yeah. Um, but it, it's it's sort of strange how you could easily read that poem to Governor Abbott and have it apply. to what he's saying, or to Trump, or anyone, or to, Hitler, yeah. or anyone. It's just you know, like, th- there was a thing um, this week on Twitter. Richard Marx got into it with a guy named Kurt Schlichter, who um, long ago blocked me, and he's one of these, you know, right wing anti woke blah blah blah. And what was really and, and Kurt Schlichter, like a lot of these uh, right wing guys, is a failed comedian. And wait, but he's an actor. I I looked him up. He's done some good stuff. Kurt Schlichter. Oh, I don't know who's the guy who was on Justified. Oh, that no, was someone else. Nick Searcy. Oh, sorry. Okay. No, no, no. Um, Nick Searcy, who I've worked with and who is a doll, even though I don't uh, agree with anything he st- stands for politically, but he's a fantastic actor. Yeah. Um, and which drives me crazy. Look. I don't agree with a single thing that James Wood stands for, and he's still a fantastic actor. Yep. <gasps> it's that thing, separate the art from like, the man can't thing. can't you just, be, like, can't the people that have horrible opinions at least be like like a, like a Kevin Sorbo where you can, you can at least go, well, his acting sucks too. Like, does oh, it have honey. to be someone like <laughs> I don't want James... Kevin Sorbo coming after you now. Uh, I think I'll be fine. Um... I've got Lucy Lawless on my side. Okay, good. <laughs> but so Schlichter tweeted this thing out about – it was a picture of a Replacements album cover. Love the Replacements. And he was saying something to Richard Marks along the lines of, I, I wanted to tweet a picture of a relevant good band. I hope this doesn't offend Richard Marks. Maybe, like just this – you know. Wow. And it made me – here's what made me sad. I didn't even get angry at Kurt when I saw that. I was like, people – there are so many people that are either are outside of showbiz or wanted to get in and couldn't or for whatever reason. They think that showbiz 
they think that cr- the creativity has the same life outlook as they do, which is it's all finite resources. It's all competitive. If I'm a country music singer, I hate a metal band. If I'm a hip hop guy, then I, uh, you know, I, I hate uh, a country music band. There's, it's all factions and um, hatreds. Whereas people that are actually, not just even in showbiz, people that are secure in their creativity and actually enjoy what they're doing and aren't bitter or resentful about it, um, don't like Richard Marx even tweeted back. It's like I don't understand. I love the replacements. I don't know what you're talking about. Do you think that because I'm doing pop music that I, automatically I'm resentful of the critical? I don't. No, none of us care. And and such a that's such a sad worldview that I see a lot of people have because it's all tribalism and sports and factions, and it's a terrible way to live your life, but especially a terrible way to live your life creatively. And, and you see why a lot of these alt-right guys, so many of them are either failed comedians or failed entertainers because they thought of it as it's a competition and either I'm winning or someone else is losing. Where it's like, no, it's a long, long journey and sometimes you're up and sometimes you're down, but just like what you're doing. You don't have to constantly compare Listen, and show. Your it's art, really your art is – your art. Do what you do. Don't. It's not about what anyone else is doing. It's about what you want to put out in the world. Mm-hmm. That's writers write what you want to write. Do sing what you want to sing. Act in what you want to act right. in. Paint what you want to paint. Who cares? I mean, really, being a creative artist is being your authentic, true self, and your right. best art is the most authentic to you and the most unique to you, and thus good art. Uh, yeah, but like. If Paul Westerberg and Richard Marks hung out, they'd have a ton of things to talk about. If Paul Westerberg and Kurt Schlichter hung out, they'd have nothing to talk about. Well, because Kurt's somebody's open and, and somebody's closed. Exactly. So just try, you know, I, I'm I'm just saying this because I don't want people going into the creative arts with that attitude because it really screws it up, not just for you and your life. It just screws it up for everyone else. It It, it makes it a competition. It makes it a weird dick measuring contest, and it's not – Fun. It's not fun. Um, I know people talk a lot about awards shows and how, like, well, if it's not, if it's not a, how can you compare two different performances? Um, but what I view awards shows as is celebrating the people, you know, celebrating the work, giving people who are aspirational as artists too something to look at and be like, wow, that is so deep. It's it's an aspirational thing. It's not about competition. It's not I don't deserve this award. You deserve this award. It's we. Are, these are the people who got nominated. This is what this is what um, we have put up as the good works of the year. Yeah. Some people obviously will be left out of good work when they deserve to be honored. Uh, you know, but. I am all for award shows. I'm all for people getting up there and and telling about their influences and honoring the other people they're nominated with and just to, you know, it's hard to get art made. It's hard to get a film made. It's hard to get a show made. It takes years and there's so many steps. And so to honor all that time and effort that people put in mm-hmm. – um, it's an important thing to have an award show. It's an important thing to remind people of what good art is and to, to honor the work and all the p- collaborators. Well, I think one of, the, one of the best values of award shows, especially the Oscars, the Emmys, and the Grammys, and to a lesser the- extent the Tonys, is um, 
the, is the stuff that they miss because sometimes the stuff that they miss makes that missed stuff even better remembered and better argued about and better looked at down the road. The, the That's wire, why it's so great to have the Independent Film Awards and the, the SAG Awards. The, the Wire never won an Emmy. Uh-huh. Never, so which – is ins- when you think about it now, that's insane. Right. Or when you think of the movies that lost Best Picture, yeah. and and to what they lost to, yeah. And you're going, wow. So it, 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 anything that creates more argument and more discussion. But again, no one. I'm sure there's a couple. There's many people in the movie business that do win an Oscar and strut around and act like an asshole about it. But for the most part, people are are like, yeah, it's it's fine. I'm still. I just want to show up and. Just do work, right? And and in a lot of a lot of ways, you know, award ceremonies are are just part of the job, but not part of the creative job. It's just like, well, I'm just doing this to support the movie, but I'd rather just be go make a movie, right? But it's also really great to see what people have to say about their work and to hear it. You know, it's just a it's a creative endeavor with many people of the same interest. Um. Yes. Yes. I, just don't. Don't creativity isn't something to be measured, is what I'm saying. Be be like Richard Marx and Paul Westerberg. Don't be like Kurt Schlichter. <laughs> All right, I got I I have to just land on these two quick bad takes about Ukraine because they were both and from and from people that you would think would know better at this point, but here we go. First, George W. Bush talking about uh Ukraine condemning Putin for going invading a sovereign country which has nothing to do with uh, anything that you're you're just like uh, hello Iraq hello dude, Afghanistan uh, okay which now part of you watching that is like well of course he's going to make that blunder whatever he's got to protect his legacy the other one uh, this was I think either last night or the night before on um, Rachel Maddow uh, Hillary Clinton was praising um, insurgencies that fight back invaders. And just goes, the Russians have had to deal with this before when they tried to invade Afghanistan and some brave uh, insurgent fighters fought them off. And you're kind of going, uh, Hillary. Because that didn't end well. well no, that no, no. changed because Who? then they went after – because then Afghanistan got the weapons that we provided to fight the Russians. And um, yeah, but that's – We supported insane religious extremists. Yes. And then left them with weapons. So again, Hillary – Maybe not the time to be praising that example. That that brave rebel fighter. Um, hang on, let me check my notes. Osama bit. Oh, okay. We're gonna go to commercial. Let's let's go to commercial for premium crackers. <laughs> we'll be right back. Yeah. So both of those were such. Oh, both of you, shut up. Yeah. Shut up. Well, don't tell Hillary Clinton to shut up. She's amazing. But she, that's. I'm sorry. That's that was a massive, massive. What are you doing? Well, it was a poor example. It was a horrible example. Yeah. Horrible. Right. Bad. We need it. We need someone to unify America. Just like Germany in the late 20s, there were so many different factions, and there was some leader that came along and really, really unified. We need that kind of leader. Okay. Who really focused. Pe- what? Okay, the producer telling me to go to the next story. <laughs> uh, maybe we will. Hey, we got a speak pipe. Let's hear the speak pipe. Hello, Meredith and Patton, my favorite podcast co-hosts. Just listen to your most recent episode. Patton was talking about Stephen King and introducing his daughter and just reminded me that uh, I'm also of a similar age, I think, to both of you. So a child of the 70s. And I've never been a big horror genre fan, but I have a very clear memory of 
seventh grade, a substitute teacher came in for a few days and read us some stories from Night Shift, Stephen King's, I think it's it was his first short story collection. Um, so it, it was probably just newly published at the time. But I very distinctly remember her reading The Boogeyman to us. And that was absolutely terrifying. I just laugh when I think about the fact that a teacher read that to us in class. Yeah, okay. Look, the 70s were all about benign, neglectful parenting. Look, they were trying their best, and I'm sure the teacher was in in his or her mind was thinking, well, this will lead them backwards to uh, people like Edgar Allan Poe or Nathaniel Hawthorne or, you know, who knows. So, uh, but yeah, that was a messed up story to read to seventh graders. Um, also, Stephen King has written a lot of non-horror um, stuff, you know, short stories like Last Rung on the Ladder or the novella Everything's Eventual, uh, the novel Everything's Eventual. You know, there's there's really, um, he is so in so many different genres uh, that there's a lot to explore. But yeah, that's why I read my daughter um, Gray Matter, also from the collection Night Shift. Um, I took out some of the curse words, but she was 11. She was ready for it. But a guy drinks some bad beer and turns into a gelatinous monster. Why not? Um, so, yeah. But, I mean, I read The Stand when I was 11, so what do Wait, I Wait, I have a question. Is Night Shift with Griffin Dunn or Michael Keaton? Oh, boy. What? Didn't didn't Griffin Dunn do a movie called Night he Shift? Did a, Griffin did, no, Dunn Michael did a Keaton mo- did. Michael Keaton and Henry Winkler did a movie together. Called Night Shift. Called Night Shift. Right. And then yeah. Griffin Dunn did After... After Hours. After Hours. That was a Scorsese film. That was a Scorsese film? Yes. Oh, I loved that movie. Yes. And I also loved uh, the Michael Keaton one. Yes. That's cool. Neither Um, based on Stephen King. Okay. Well, same name. Um, Also, I I liked what that guy was asking. I liked how he spoke. But Kyle, when we play it back, can you speed it up a little? It's a little slow. Yeah. Look, I love. Yeah. Look, I love the sentiment. You, you guys, you got to get to the point quicker. Like, if you're calling in to go, hey, you mentioned uh, Werther's candies. I had those when I was little. But you, if you call and go, you know, uh, on your last, or it might have been three, uh, or it might have been four episodes anyway, ago. It- I remember you mentioned a candy. Now, when I was growing, oh my god. Anyway, he had a very lovely voice, and I liked his question, and I liked his tone of voice, and uh, I just felt like, you know. If I were a listener to this podcast, mm-hmm. I might want it sped up uh, ha- more double yeah. speed. He th- That was the uncut uh, version of the stand uh, version of a speak pipe. <laughs> wow. That was good. Hey, Patton, mm-hmm. I know that you love art in all forms and that often you have picks for things that you like, TV shows you've seen, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So... Do us the pleasure and give us some of your picks. Now it's time for Did You Get Our Picks? Yeah, tell you what we like, what we really, really like. Yeah, tell me what you like, what you really, really like. <laughs> I got some quick picks, then we got to go. Books, new book just came out, Blood, Sweat, and Chrome by Kyle Buchanan. It is an oral history of the making of Mad Max Fury Road. It is fan Fantastic. I did not know it was as troubled and crazed a production as it was. Um, he talks to everyone who was involved. Um, George Miller. George Miller was 70 years old, had not made a live action feature in 17 years when he made Mad Max Fury Road and blew everyone 
uh, off the screen with that movie. He talks to Tom Hardy. He talks to Charlize Theron. He talks to... Two very, very unattractive actors. Yeah. Well, two amazing <laughs> actors that were apparently at each other's throats. But they're the both drop-dead gorgeous. And they're amazing. And also, so, honey, you had a sex scene with Charlize Theron in the movie Young Adult. We've I, already talked about yep, it. Yep, but I would like to have a sex scene with Tom Hardy and something. Sure you don't want one with Charlize Theron? Or her. Or her. But he, then he talks to uh, the entire crew, the stunt people and what they went through. Then he talks to all of the uh, other people movie directors, actors that watched the film and were blown away, including people like James Cameron, Edgar Wright, and me. What? So I am Wait, part what? of the oral history. You're in a you're in that book? Yes. Oh man. I'm one of the people that he interviewed. That's cool. Yeah. So we, I talk about when we, you know, for seeing it and talking to all my friends about, you know, the it just and also we talk about the history of the Road Warrior films and how they just changed everything. And so it's a fascinating read. It, you'll read it in a in a day. It's great great gossip and I think one of the things that makes it such a great book and great um uh oral history is everyone is still even though the movie was made in 2012 uh everyone is still raw from the experience and are dishing 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 Ooh, I want to read so it boy is it a fun read gosh I don't know one billionth of the things you've been in but go ahead okay well I wasn't in that one but I mean you know what I mean you were in the book I'm in the book yeah Movies, um, not for everyone, but the new, uh, not even new, came out in 2017, uh, Frederick Weissman, uh, docu- Frederick Weissman, one of the great documentarians of all time, made a movie, Ex Libris, New York Public Library, three hours, 18 minutes long, covers a week in the life of the New York Public Library, the massive institution that is the New York Public Library. Is it a documentary? It's a documentary Ooh. with no talking heads, no subtitles. You're just there and you watch how a week at the library goes by. Wow. So one day, there, we're, you're at a class for people that are learning how to uh, read Braille. They're teaching uh, blind people how to read. Another one, they're... Inter- a guy is interviewing Elvis Costello, Ooh. who's doing a performance at the library. Uh, people are, you know, you see the weirdos that kind of camp out in the mm-hmm. library. Like, that's kind of where they live. Didn't we go to the New York Public Library and meet Paul Holdengrabber? Who- we met Paul Holdengrabber, who um, is in the documentary interviewing the series that he's part of. I was on that series. So he's interviewing Elvis Costello and Tahanisi Coates, so I know I've missed Tahanisi. Tahanisi Coates. I was part of that that series. Yeah. But they didn't show my footage. Um, but Shocking. it is amazing. And Frederick Weisman, all of his documentaries right now are on Canopy. Um, you saw one of them a few, about a year ago called The Titty Cut Follies, uh, which is an amazing, you were watching it about the um, insane asylum. Uh, it was shot in the 60s, black and white. Um, you said you watched The Titty Cut Follies. That's the one that kind of broke him wide. Right. But he's done to me, he just finds some institution. Um, he, he's done one like boxing gym, um, ER, high school, and he just kind of immerses himself he in He needs there. to go into a public school uh, in a— He, he did. In, uh, but young kids. No, no. Like he's, an elementary school. He's done that uh, for—I um, oh, forget what it was. He's done so many. He did one called Crazy Horse, which is about the big um, the, the um, big high-end strip club in Paris. Ooh. And it's just a week in the Crazy Horse. Ooh, I'd like and to how, and you see read how that. To, yeah. See that. Uh, well, they're all for free on Canopy right now, Frederick Weissman. But Ex Libris, it was, it's three and a half hours long. Could have been eight hours. I would have loved it. And finally, I just watched the final episode, all seven episodes, the first season of HBO Max's Somebody Somewhere. Oh, it's oh, really good. God, is it so good. It's, it's not, small and and lovely. Yes. Oh, it's exactly. It's That's what I love. It's small. It's not big. Um, 
crazy, desperate, needy comedy, but it's it's really funny, but also really it's very touching. Touching and authentic and sincere. Bridget Everett is a force of nature, has been a force of nature forever, um, and the, uh, Mark Duplass, who does it. I, I was really bummed when HBO canceled Togetherness when they did. So this is that same sort of pace and feel, but it takes place in the deep, deep Midwest, and the cast is all uh, fantastic. But Bridget Everett, oh, mwah. Yeah, I like that one. Yay. Well... Well, that was an awesome episode. Was it? Yeah. Is it up to us to decide? Oh, you're right. We can't decide that. We're sending it out to you. Go, little podcast episode. Go, Go into the world. <laughs> um, and yeah, if you guys uh want to say hi to us, <laughs> leave leave a message on our speaker. Well, don't say it like you're this kind of like. Do I know you don't want to dance me because I'm a piece of crap? But if you want to, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> We're not like sullen teens. Please send us some speak pipes. Let us know what you think. Ask questions. Yeah, man. Be brief. No, you don't have to be brief. Listen, you don't have to be brief. You just have to be a little more snappy. It's like I say to Alice, clean your room. And then I walk in there and she's literally like, she picks one shirt up from the pile and walks over and then she sort of hangs it and she goes all the way. I'm like, Alice, put some hustle in your step, honey. Yeah. You got to learn to hustle a little bit. Anyway, so have a great week. Hustle out there, guys, and we'll... uh, Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. This podcast is a production of Meredith Salinger and Patton Oswalt. In association with Starburns Audio. Executive producers are Cliff Dorfman and Jason Smith. And if you have questions for us, send them to... Hey, did you get my text? At gmail.com. And don't forget, subscribe to this podcast. It's free and it helps us get to keep making the show. Starbanks Avenue, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.